I had absolutely no idea when I began to work on the message for this Sunday, and particularly the message title, Should I Be Afraid of Easter? I don't guess any of us had any idea what would take place in the country of Sri Lanka, if you're aware of what happened there. Uh, when I left the, the house this morning, 190 confirmed dead, hundreds injured in terrorist bombings there in churches and in other places. Uh, this is a day of celebration. It is a day of joy. It is a day of rejoicing. And yet, we have brothers and sisters in Christ in that part of the world who are suffering through unspeakable tragedy today. So, could we join together in prayer as the people of God here for our brothers and sisters in Christ there in Sri Lanka and for the persecuted church of Christ around the world? Can we do that? Because one of the things I'm afraid we lose sight of many times uh, is the fact that we are part of a global body of Christ. We're not just Taylor's First Baptist Church. We are part of the church universal the church of Jesus Christ, gathered around the world, celebrating today His resurrection. So join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we come today to proclaim loudly with all the passion that is within us that Your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, who suffered, who died an unspeakable death, who was buried who was in that tomb three days, has now risen, and He lives. And He does not just live, but He lives in the lives and the hearts of each of us who know Him and proclaim Him today as Lord and Savior of life. And Father, as Your body gathered here today, we lift up and we pray for the body of Christ universal, the global body of Christ, and particularly today, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Sri Lanka who have been devastated on this holiest of days by these terrorist bombings. And Lord, we know many have lost their lives. Now, Lord, I pray that your people there in that place and your people around the world would rally to this need Lord, I pray that these brothers and sisters would not in any way sense they're, they're dealing with this alone, but Father, they would sense even right now the prayers, the support, the encouragement of their brothers and sisters in Christ who gather here and around the world. And Lord, we proclaim today in the face of unspeakable tragedy that Satan has not and will not have the final word. That when you came up out of that grave, you defeated sin, you defeated hell, you defeated the grave, you defeated the worst that a sinful world can dish out. And one day we know that you're going to rule and you're going to reign, everything is going to be made right and every tear is going to be wiped away and every sorrow vanquished because of what Christ did on that first Easter Sunday. So, Father, would you minister your grace and your spirit there in the country of Sri Lanka? And, Lord, as we gather here today, may we do so in the sure and certain hope that because of Jesus Christ, we have and we will have the victory. We pray in his name. 
Amen. Well, this is going to seem a strange question, even stranger now in light of what's happened in our world. But I, did, I still want to ask the question, how many of you were afraid when you walked through those doors this morning? How many of you came in here with your body trembling and your hands shaking? That may sound a bit odd because... This is supposed to be a day of celebration. It is supposed to be a day of joy. Today we proclaim the same message that the angel proclaimed at the tomb on that first Easter Sunday. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. He is risen. The message of the resurrection is a message of joy. It is a message of hope. It is a message of victory. And as I look around the room this morning, honestly, I don't see any fear, any terror in your eyes. I don't, I don't see any apprehension here this morning. And yet, when we look at the Easter narratives as we find them in Scripture, and particularly in the gospel according to Mark, we find that fear punctuates much of the Easter story. In fact, much of the biblical message of Easter is encapsulated in the words, don't be afraid. Those words were spoken by the angel to the women at the tomb on that first Easter Sunday. Jesus said those same words to his own bewildered disciples. We read that the soldiers who guarded the tomb of Jesus became terrified at the resurrection and fell into a catatonic stupor, immovable, unable to speak, looking like dead men. In fact, if you read through the Easter story, you will see that many of Jesus' followers were overwhelmed. They were frightened. They were afraid, fearful. They trembled. They were tremendously unsettled by the news that the tomb was empty. In Mark's account of the resurrection, chapter 16, verse 8, we'll put these words up on the screen. I want you to look at this. Mark writes and he says, and they, the women, went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Now, I just have to ask a question this morning. Why were these women the very first witnesses to the resurrection? Why wouldn't they be jumping for joy over the news that Jesus had risen from the dead? Why wouldn't they be so excited that they would run to the disciples and tell them the good news of what had happened? Instead, Mark says they left the empty tomb fleeing in terror and they said nothing to anyone. And what makes this even more strange is that many Bible scholars believe that Mark ended his gospel right here in verse 8. In fact, some of your Bibles may have a little note after verse 8 that says verses 9 through 20 are believed by many to not be part of the original manuscript. In fact, some think that these verses were added later by somebody who may have thought that Mark needed to end his gospel on a more positive note. 
I mean, what a way to end a gospel. Trembling, frightened, afraid, fleeing, and saying nothing to anyone. What's going on here? Church, we need to be very careful on a day like today that we do not let the beautiful music and the pageantry of this special celebration lull us into a mindless sentimentality about Easter. If Easter just makes us feel good, if it just tugs on our emotions, if it just gives us a little more positive outlook on life, then we are living on its most superficial edges. But if we look at Easter with something more than our emotions, if this morning we truly rivet our spiritual eyes on the historical fact that Jesus of Nazareth actually rose from the dead, then Easter is serious business. And here is why. Those earliest Christians and the New Testament writers did not believe that what happened to Jesus was an isolated event. Instead, they were convinced and convicted that what happened to Jesus was just the beginning of something that was going to happen to them. And that belief completely and radically turned their world and their lives upside down. Because Jesus rose from the dead, nothing was going to be the same anymore. That was true for those first century Christians, and that is true for you and me here in the 21st century as well. Easter is not just about what happened to Jesus. It is about what should happen to us because of what happened to him. And that means that the resurrection has some startling implications and ramifications for our lives. They can sometimes be very frightening. So maybe, just maybe, Mark knew what he was doing if in fact he ended his gospel here in verse 8. Maybe there are some very good reasons to be just a little bit afraid of Easter. I want to share three of them with you this morning. Here's the first. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead... It means that life is far more unpredictable than I may think or be comfortable with. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it means that life is far more unpredictable than I may think or that I may be comfortable with. Look at verse 1 of Mark chapter 16. It says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. You need to understand something. When these three women went to Jesus' tomb on that Sunday morning, they went expecting to find a dead man. 
We read that they were taking with them aromatic spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body, something they had been unable to do immediately after his death because of the Jewish Sabbath. It was now the third day after the crucifixion. So these women were undertaking an incredibly loving and self-sacrificing act because Jesus had been in the tomb three days. His body would have already been in the first stages of decomposition and decay. That's what these three women expected to find. You see, nature says... And science says that when a person dies, his or her body decays and decomposes. That's part of the law of cause and effect. Dead men decay. They don't rise from the dead. So when Jesus did rise from the dead, he completely blew apart the world that these three women were used to. Suddenly things that they were certain of weren't so certain anymore. Suddenly things they thought they could predict, they realized they couldn't predict anymore. Things they thought they knew and understood suddenly didn't fit the pattern anymore. Things that had once been obvious now weren't so obvious anymore, and that was frightening. It was scary. It was unsettling. We can identify with that, can't we? Things that we don't understand unsettle us. They frighten us. We don't like things like that. We like things to be predictable, understandable, controllable. In fact, we expend expend enormous amounts of time and effort doing everything we can to control life to make sure it stays conventional, predictable, comfortable, because we don't like surprises. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he made the statement that nothing was going to be predictable anymore. When he came up out of that grave, everything changed. Nothing was going to be the same anymore. The old rules weren't going to apply anymore. The familiar ways of the past weren't going to work anymore. The old securities and the traditional ways of life simply weren't going to be adequate anymore. Church, the resurrection of Jesus Christ ushered in a radically new age. And if we're going to follow this one, who conquered sin, death, and hell, then we're going to have to learn to think differently and act differently and live differently than we ever have before. That means that the safe and the comfortable and the predictable kind of Christianity that most of us have become used to will no longer meet the demands of a risen, ruling, reigning Lord Jesus Christ. So let me let you in on a secret this morning. If Easter speaks to me of anything, it speaks to me about change. Because a risen, ruling, reigning Lord Jesus changes everything. Everything. Easter is about change. It is about drastic, 
dramatic, dynamic change. And the only Christ who won't ask you to change is a dead Christ. A dead Christ won't ask you to change a thing. This morning, if you believe that Jesus is still in the grave, then I can tell you the old attitudes and the old priorities and the old way of doing things are going to work just fine for you. It doesn't matter because a dead Christ will not ask you to change a thing. But my friend, a risen Christ has the right to absolutely turn your life upside down. He has the right to ask you to do things that this morning may absolutely defy the way that you think. A risen Christ has the authority and the right to rearrange your whole world if he wants to in order to get you from where you are to the place he wants you to be. And if you would stand today and profess to be his follower, you've got to be ready to absolutely and unconditionally relinquish control of your life and be ready to live with the unpredictable and the uncomfortable. So let me just get real personal. Let me tell you what this means. It means if you're sitting here this morning and God is stirring in your heart and He says you need to quit your job and go to seminary, then my friend, you need to quit your job and go to seminary. It means if God is stirring in your heart this morning and He says you need to leave your country and you need to go somewhere else and live as a missionary and share the good news of Christ with people who do not know Him, then you need to leave your country and you need to go overseas and be a missionary and tell people about Jesus Christ because they need to know Him. It means if He says you need to take the money that you're going to use to buy that new car and you need to give it to help take the gospel to the nations, then you need to take the money you're going to use to buy that new car and you need to give it to help take the gospel to the nations. If God says to you, you need to open your heart and you need to open your home to somebody who doesn't have a home and you need to let that person become part of your family, then my friend, you need to open your home and you need to enlarge your family. If he says to you this morning, you can retire from your present job, but I've got a new job for you. doesn't pay you anything monetarily, but it's an important part of what I want to do in your church and in your community and in your nation and among the nations. So you can go ahead and and retire from that job, but now I'm going to put you to work. Then, my friend, you need to retire from that job, and you need to let God put you to work. If he says you need to change your attitude, you need to give up your personal preference, you need to do something that's uncomfortable for you, you need to stop trying to hold on to the past because there are future generations out there that need Jesus, then, my friend, it means you need to do those things, and you need to get busy about building up his kingdom, not your own. It means if Jesus says, I want you to do this, even if you don't understand it, even if you can't imagine how it's going to work out, even if it's the most infusing constru- confusing instruction ever, it means you do what Jesus tells you to do, and you let God worry about how it's going to work out. You see, there's some very good reasons to be a little bit afraid of Easter. 
Because if you follow a risen, ruling, reigning Lord Jesus, then you've got to be willing to move beyond the boundaries of a comfortable, predictable Christianity because you've relinquished control of your life to the one who has conquered death. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. It means life is far more unpredictable now than I may realize or be comfortable with. Let me share a second thing with you. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, it means that earthly concerns are now relative in their importance and diminished in their significance. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, it means that earthly concerns are relative in their importance and diminished in their significance. If you look at verses 2 through 5 of Mark chapter 16, you will see an overriding concern of these women as they made their way to the tomb on that Easter Sunday morning. In their discussion, they were worried about how they were going to move that huge stone that had been placed in front of Jesus' tomb. They were asking themselves about that. The, the, the stone was huge. It was heavy. They knew they couldn't move it themselves. They were asking, who is going to help us do that? That was their overriding anxiety. But when they got to that tomb, and they recognized that Jesus had risen from the dead. That, that stone became the least of their concerns. The resurrection of Jesus Christ had taken that concern and had shoved it to the side. And these women were now confronted with a reality that would change their perspective on life completely. We need to understand, church, that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the stone of earthly concerns has been rolled away. Jesus' resurrection has shoved to the side all of the things in this life that consume us, that so often worry us, that occupy our time and our efforts and our energies and it calls us to focus this morning on a greater reality. You see, here's the deal. Most of us have a tendency to live our lives in the here and now. A lot of emphasis on right now. We confine our activities on earth to earth. To put it another way, we, we live for the moment. We live for the here and the now. But if what happened to Jesus is going to happen to us, if the one who conquered sin, hell, and the grave is going to give us that same victory, then it means that the concerns of this earthly life can no longer occupy the center of our attention and our thinking. We can no longer spend the majority of our time in pursuit of the things that are limited to this world because our destiny is eternity. And that means that so many of the things that we think are so important really just aren't that important anymore. Career isn't that important anymore. Financial security isn't that important anymore. The pursuit of pleasure 
isn't that important anymore. Being able to do lots of things and go lots of places, that just isn't that important anymore. Now, I'm not saying that that those things are not important at all. They have a relative importance. But if you are a follower of the risen Christ this morning, then they are certainly not the most important things. And they must be moved to the side. They must be rolled away because you have been called now to a higher concern. When we understand that Jesus rose from the dead, we've got to also understand that we've been called to have a different attitude toward this earthly life. We can't think about it the same way. Listen, let me share something with you. This world is not our home, folks. This world is not our home, and yet we live like it is. This earth is not our home. It is only a stopover. And if you live to be, or I live to be, a hundred years old on this earth, that is infinitesimal. It is nothing compared to the time we're going to spend in eternity. That means while we are here, we must cultivate a mindset that everything we do on this earth is preparing us for that eternity. And so the question every one of us must ask ourselves on this Easter Sunday 2019 is, what am I doing now to make sure that my time on earth will have made a difference when I get to heaven? How can I invest my life now so that it pays dividends in eternity? So here's the truth. Here's the truth. Write it down. Easter means I can no longer live for the moment. I can no longer live for the moment. I can no longer live just for the here and now. I must live my life on earth in light of eternity. And listen, that can be frightening. That can be unsettling because it means that it's going to redefine what I do with every single thing I touch on this earth. It's going to redefine how I spend my money. It's going to redefine how I spend my time. It's going to redefine how I use the talents and the abilities that God has given me. It's going to redefine how I respond to the opportunities in life that come my way. It's going to redefine my relationships, what they are, and what they mean, and how I interact with the people around me. All of these things, all of the stuff of this earthly life have now been Redefined, they have been repurposed by a risen, ruling, reigning Lord Jesus, and they are no longer mine to spend in pursuit of my own agenda. Do you see what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 15? And he, Christ, died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal 
value. This earth is not our home. And we've got to stop living like it is. And we've got to start taking the things that we're doing in time and projecting them into eternity and asking the question, God, how do you take the things that I have? How do you take my life? How do you take all the opportunities you've given me and use them and manipulate them so they pay off dividends in eternity? Because Jesus was raised from the dead, earthly concerns are now relative in their importance and they are diminished in their significance. Finally, one last thing I'll share with you. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, it means that God has validated the claims of Jesus and the way of life that is revealed in Him. If you look at verse 6 of Mark chapter 16, you'll see that the angel said to the women, Do not be frightened. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was what? crucified. This may be the most frightening part of the Easter story because Jesus walked a pathway that not many of us are eager to follow. He walked a pathway of self-giving. He walked a pathway of self Sacrifice. He showed us that the way to authentic happiness is not found in self-seeking, but it's found in self-giving. He showed us that the way to be successful in life is not to cling to life, to jealously hold on to what is ours, but to let go of life. He showed us that the way to real significance is not in self-service, but in self-sacrifice. And when God raised Jesus from the dead... He was saying, this is the kind of life that counts. This is the kind of life I will bless. This is the kind of life that reflects and reveals my heart and my purposes. And that means if I am serious about pleasing God, the, the life of Jesus must now become the model after which I pattern my own life. And that pattern is, is seen best in some verses we looked at several weeks ago. From Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. I won't take the time this morning to read them all, but it tells us that Jesus, who was in very nature God, did not consider his status as God something that he had to hold on to at all costs, but rather he emptied himself, he poured himself out, he gave all of that up, he took on the form of a servant, he became in appearance as a man in order that he might become obedient unto death, even death on a cross. See, here's the truth. The life of Jesus was a self-emptying life. It was a self-emptying life. Jesus gave up everything to do the will of his heavenly Father. That's the kind of life God looks at and says, yes. That's the kind of life God honors. And that's the kind of life God is looking for in me. It's the kind of life that doesn't jealously hold on to its own position, doesn't jealously hold on to its own agenda, doesn't jealously hold on to its own wants and desires. Instead, it is a life that is willing to let go of everything and become nothing so that in God's hands it might become 
something. Do you see that there might be some good reasons to be afraid of Easter if you take Easter seriously? See, it is not just about what happened to Jesus, as wonderful, as glorious, as awe-inspiring as that is, and it is. But Easter is also about what should happen to you and me because of what happened to him. A risen, ruling, reigning Lord Jesus changes everything. No wonder the women who first came to the tomb on that first Easter ran away fearful and trembling. But let me show you something else. Let me give you a final word. In Matthew's account of the resurrection, chapter 28, verse 8, you can look at the verse. It says, So the women departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. Now wait a minute. Mark, Matthew, what happened here? Did somebody get mixed up? Mark says they ran in fear and trembling and said nothing to anyone. Matthew says, yes, they were fearful, but that fear was overcome with joy, and they ran to tell the disciples. Is there a conflict here? No, there's no conflict. Only a lapse of time. Because you see, as those women were fleeing the tomb in fear, trembling, trying to get away as fast as they could, not wanting to say anyone to anything, as they fled from the tomb, they began to realize something. They began to realize that if God had the power to raise Jesus from the dead, then surely He could also empower them to live this radically new kind of life. And when they realized that, everything changed. See, here's the truth. Write it down. Because of Easter, there are now not just new challenges facing me, but there is now also a new power available to me. Paul tells us about it in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, where he says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe in Him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. How do you learn to live? How are you able to live with the unpredictable? and the uncomfortable now that everything has changed? How are you going to be able to relativize earthly concerns and diminish them in light of this new reality? And how are you going to be able to live the kind of life 
that God's Word says we ought to live a life patterned after the Lord Jesus Christ, a self-sacrificing, self-emptying, servant-oriented, death-to-self life. How can you do that? You can't, and I can't. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is a new power available to us now. The same power, Paul says, that raised Christ from the dead is available to you and to me. And we have been called to walk in that newness of life. It's great in just a moment to be able to walk out those doors and proclaim Jesus lives. But ultimately that means not very much unless you also walk out those doors this morning saying, Jesus lives in me. The risen, ruling, reigning Lord Jesus Christ has taken up residence in my life and He has changed everything. Nothing in my life will ever be the same again. Whatever He asks me to do, I'll do. I will live my life with a focus on eternity and I will pattern my life after this one who loved me and gave himself for me. That is what Easter is all about. Yes, there are fears because what we're being called to do and asked to do is hard. But oh, what a life there is on the other side of fear as we appropriate the resurrection power of Jesus Christ into our own lives. Bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for a risen Savior. We thank you for a Christ who is no longer in the grave, but who has risen and who has made that resurrection power available to us that we may go forth from this place this morning to live brand new lives. Lives that you can take and use. Lives that you can move around. Lives that you can send in one direction and then without any explanation at all, Lord, if you desire, you can turn us around and move us in a totally different direction. Thank you, Lord, that you want to do that with our lives. That you want to move us beyond the predictable and the comfortable. So that our lives can have real significance, so we can find real purpose. Help us, God, to not set our minds on earthly things. But on the things that are above where Christ is seated now at your right hand. Help us not to confine what we do in time to time. But everything we do, Lord, to do with an eye toward eternity, to give you everything in our lives so that you can take us and use us to make a difference. And, oh God, give us the mind of Christ. Give us His attitude. This is Easter. This is what it means 
just as you raised Christ from the dead by the power of your Spirit, so too we now have been raised to walk in newness of life. Help us to do that, Lord. And to leave this place this morning, yes, maybe with some fear, but also with great joy to tell others that you have risen and to take our lives and make them vehicles for your glory here in our church, in our community, in our nation, and among the nations is our prayer. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing. On this Easter Sunday, 2019, what's God asking you to do? What does the risen Christ want to do in and with your life this morning? Do you know not just that He lives, but do you know that He lives in you? Have you made that personal commitment? Have you invited Him into your heart and your life? Have you settled fully, finally, and forever your relationship with God because you've come to the foot of the cross and you've received God's forgiveness, the sacrifice Christ made for you on Calvary's cross? Have you done that? If you haven't, what a day to do it. We'll invite you to come in just a moment as we sing it. Take my hand and say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my heart and in my life. Maybe you've already made that decision, but God's spoken to you in a special way this morning. Something He wants you to do. Something He wants you to change. Some attitude He needs to transform. So that when you leave this place today, you'll be walking in the power of that resurrection might that He says is there to help you and to help me. So as we sing this morning, if you need to respond, this altar's open. If you just want to come and pray, want to recommit your life to Christ, you want me to pray with you, I'll be honored to do that. As we sing this morning, right now, you come.